0: Well, if you got your Bibles, you can turn them into Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to begin today. And um, if you weren't here last week, um last week was part one of a, of a two-part message. I, you can call it a two-part series, our message, however you want to call it, but two parts of seven prophecies of Christmas. And so in both the Gospels of Luke and Matthew, there are seven prophecies connected to Jesus' birth that can transform our lives. Now, obviously, as Felicia said, I mean, next week, I encourage you, by the way, yes, invite your friends, family, coworkers. We're going to have a great service next week. A lot of music, both worship and Christmas music. Our candlelight service is going to be a great time, always a great time. One of the most highest attended services, not just here, but nationwide. Like I said last uh, week, most pe- some people only go to church on Easter and Christmas. And so invite people, you know, and we celebrate his birth, but I just felt led to preach this this message or this two-part message on, on the seven prophecies of Christmas because of what's important. We focus on the Lord's birth, but those were so many things and seven things specifically connected to his birth. So seven different people either gave a prophecy or received a prophetic word from God in regard to the birth of his son. So as we look at these prophecies, we see exactly what God was speaking around the time of Jesus Christ's birth. There were seven words that jump out at us through these prophecies. Um, and it was salvation, favor, and blessed. Those are the first three. Those are the ones we looked at last week. If you wasn't here, I encourage you to to, to go to our website or YouTube, podcast, whatever it is that you want. And, and it's all audience platforms you can listen to to catch up. And then the other four are guidance, jar, redemption, and peace. And those are the ones we're going to look at today. These are all gifts he wants to give us as we celebrate the birth of his son, right? We're all going to give and receive gifts, right? But these are... Right, y'all, y'all still do gifts and stuff. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. And so, um I know some of them are rhetorical questions, but I like for you to, you know, talk back as well. This is one time, you know, you can talk back, and I want you to talk back to me, right? Most of the time with our children, we don't want them to talk back, right? But this is one time I want you to. It's good to to, to talk back to to me when I'm preaching in church. But listen, we're gonna all give gifts and receive gifts. Most of us will. But again, I, I'm trying to get us to focus, like I do every year, because I said last week. Christmas has become so commercialized and it feel like it gets worse and worse every year. Is it just me or do you feel that way too? Every year it gets more worse just in stretch with sales and, 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 you know, uh, where it used to be Black Friday, now it's like November 1st. It's just wide open and everything's about what you can buy, what you can, and, you know, and so I'm just trying to get us to focus on the whole reason Jesus came, and these seven prophecies remind us of that. So we want to celebrate these gifts this week. Again, so this morning, we're going to be looking at the other four prophecies and how they impact our lives. I just want to remind you about the word prophecy. I love this. I love Revelation 19.10 because, you know, there's a lot. We see Old Testament prophecy. We see New Testament prophecy. But at the end of the book... When John was on the Isle of Patmos and he's writing the book of Revelation, Revelation of, of Jesus Christ, he says this, For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Amen? So remember that for, for, for all of your life and your, your walk and, and and whatnot, but especially for this, this message again today, these seven prophecies were to give a clear witness of, of Jesus himself and why he came to the earth, right? Both men and angels God used to be a clear witness for the reason Jesus was born, lived on this earth, and died on the cross then was resurrected for us. The meanings of that. Amen? Let's pray over our time in the Word. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, as we're in the Christmas season, Lord God. We know that, uh, Lord God, it has become a lot of other things, Lord. But I thank you that we can celebrate. We can look at. We can look into your Word and see the reason uh, we, we have We know as Christmas today why we celebrate it, Lord, the birth of your son and the prophetic words that were given. You speaking, Lord, we know prophecy is you speaking to people and through people. Lord, we thank you as we look in your word today. Help us to continue to focus on Jesus and, Lord God, the powerful gifts, Lord God, that you've given us not only during the Christmas season, but we can apply it to our lives every day. Holy Spirit, help us to do that and receive it and apply it. Help me as I preach it today, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, well, the fourth one, which I just started out as number one, because it's a new message today, the prophecy of guidance. The prophecy of guidance. Now, this was a prophecy given to Joseph, right, to Mary's husband. Now, in this text I'm about to read, the word guidance is actually not in it, but it's what sticks out at us now. I'm going to go back to a prophecy from last week, and the word guidance is there. But you see the essence of what the Lord did, how he guided both Mary and Joseph during this time. Matthew chapter 1, if you're there, verse 18, it says, Now this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. You remember I referenced that last week. How, you know, how difficult, why she needed grace. The word favored, actually, in the translation, I mean, in the text we read, the actual uh, Greek original language there means grace and how she needed grace. Our strength comes from God's grace, and this was part of it, right? She got pregnant. She tells her fiancé, I'm pregnant for God, and he's like, yeah, I, I, it's hard to believe. So he's he, here's what I referenced last week. He decided to break the engagement quietly, but he was a good man, so he didn't want to disgrace her or slander her. He was just going to send her away. their sins, there's the prophecy of salvation again right there, right? Then after this, after this, Jesus was born and now they're about to head back home, right? They're about to head back to their, their native land there, uh, the, the region they were living in. Matthew 2, now if you drop over and follow and on, loan your notes, by the way, you can follow on our app. Matthew 2, 13 and 15, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up flee to Egypt while the child and his mo- with the child and his mother, the angel said, stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night Joseph left for Egypt and the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. So we're talking about the seven prophecies here, but we see an in this prophecies were being fulfilled from the Old Testament prophets, right? You see that? The prophet had prophesied our son would be out of Egypt. So there it is, Matthew's quoting one of the Old Testament prophets. And so as these new prophecies are unfolding, some are also being fulfilled. Now drop down to verse 19. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appealed in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. And when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod, son of Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in the town of Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said he would be called a Nazarene. Again, here we go, looking at the, the prophecies around Jesus as fulfilling other prophecies, right? But we see here that a few times an angel appeared to Joseph in the dream to what? To guide him, to give him guidance in this most difficult time, right? He already had to get guidance because his fiance he's engaged to is pregnant. She tells him, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And he like, "It, it, it must have been like, you're out of your mind. Right, I mean, he might have not said that, but he obviously didn't believe her because he was about to break the engagement, right? So the the Holy Spirit, uh, an angel, I'm sorry, comes to him and says, hey, don't break off the engagement. This child is from the Lord. And he gives them guidance on, on leaving, returning, fleeing, all these different things, right? See, Jesus came so that you can have guidance. Me and you can have guidance each and every day. Amen? It didn't stop with the Christmas story. It may not be this this magnitude, but all of us in here and watching online have major things we have to do every day, major decisions we have to make in our life each and every day. And I'm just so thankful for Jesus that he came and made a way that we don't have to make these major decisions on our own, that he will guide us through the process called life. He still guides us, still through dreams, but also through his word and by his Holy Spirit, right? So we don't have to worry or be anxious about decisions in life because Jesus came to give us that guidance. I know there's people in this room who are watching online. You got major decisions to make right now. You're facing a, a, maybe even a, a, a life-changing, life-altering decision. Whether it's maybe what kind of house, what house to buy. Maybe an area, a town to move in. Maybe to where to bring your kids to school. Maybe it's a new job next, next year, the, the turn of the year. Maybe it's something to do with taxes as tax season is going to be upon us uh, pretty soon, right? What job to take. Here's one. What person to marry. Single people out there. Do not leave this decision in your own hands. This is the second biggest decision you're ever going to make in your life. It's who you're going to marry. The first one being accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So if you're single out there, you're watching online, the Lord will guide you on who to marry. Do y'all still believe that today? Maybe you didn't know that. Like, Brandon, does God really care who I marry? Absolutely he does. We talk about you knowing God, living free, finding your purpose and making a difference. We've said this for you, and I believe this. What if you know your purpose? I wouldn't even plan on talking about this, but I just I'm, I'm, I just fell felt led again to single people. If you're young in here, if you say, okay, Brandon, I know my purpose. Man, I found my purpose. God showed me what he's called me to do. And then you go marry somebody, and they feel called to do something totally opposite. How is that going to work? I'll tell you how. It won't. You're called to be a missionary in Africa and, and they call to be, I don't know, a doctor in Lafayette. That's not gonna work. Amen. One day it may, but this is the biggest decision. But listen, whether it's where to buy a house, where where again, there's so many different things. I just gave you examples. Jesus came to guide us. Right? The angel of the Lord guided, guided Joseph when Jesus was just born. But we see the Holy Spirit was already working. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But we know that every day, I love this. A lot of y'all know this scripture can even quote it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. This is where we get in trouble a lot. Is we trust ourselves and our own understanding and make a decision and then we get in a bind. And then we blame God. Yeah, right. I knew it'd get quiet right there. That's what happens. We make decisions without trusting the Lord and consulting them. They horrible decisions. We bomb, and then we get mad at God and say, "Why did? Why God? Where are you? Why didn't you, you help me?" And He's saying, "Because you didn't ask me." Right. Now this is the the this translation doesn't do a good job, but the New Living I think does, does better. But it says, "Think about Him in all your ways." That actually in the of Hebrew, what it says is, "Seek His will." In all your ways. Some say acknowledge him or think about him. The new living does I, I believe the best. In all your ways, seek his will. And look what it says. He will guide the, you on the right paths. He'll guide you on the right path And take. When you say, Okay, Lord, I have a decision to make with a job, with a house, where to put my kids to school, or homeschool, or whatever it is. Again, who to marry, right? Lord, what is your will? Your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. Show us what is your will. I love how the Lord does this. I was actually preparing on Wednesday, um, finishing up my message and I came here Wednesday night and there was a brother here serving. We began to talk and he told me how he's about to start a new job on the first. And, and it's a, it's a big deal because he's been working at the same job for like 12 years and, and, and he got offered this job. And so you know what he did? he took about two months to seek the Lord. He actually spent time praying and fasting about this decision because it was going to be a huge decision for him and his family, right? He's he's working on a great job, has great benefits, right? And all of this stuff, but he prayed and fasted. I'm not saying he fasted the whole too much, but I know there was a time where he fasted and he felt like the Lord guided him and his family to take this job. It's gonna be less stressful time, more time with his family. Oh yeah, and by the way, his salary went up by like $20,000. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? (laughs) So those are the kind of things that, you know, It's a major life decision. So I said, man, do you mind if I use that Sunday? Like I'm like, I already had this point done, but I was like, man, if I could use that. I love real life illustration. I could tell you stories about a guy that lived 20 years ago, but that's a brother that's in our church that told me that Wednesday night. Amen? But I know, you know, a lot of y'all have major decisions, but it's just encouraging him. Because he can accept that job after two months of seeking God's guidance. Through prayer and fasting, and of course, and him and his wife being in agreement, knowing this is the Lord, right? And again, it's not just about the money. I mean, obviously, we got to live and pay bills, but just the whole thing. He's in a very high-stress job right now. It's affected him. It's affected a lot of his life just because of the amount of stress he's under. And the Lord's blessing him with something different, right? See, God spoke to people in dreams a lot back then because they didn't have the Scriptures like we have them today. The Scriptures at the time this was written was only in the temple. They only heard the scriptures and went whenever they'd go in this temple it was read to them or they were getting trained by them. But now we have the Bible in our homes, on our phones, pretty much everywhere, right? It's kind of ironic that it seems like we have the Bible more accessible than ever before and it's being read the least nowadays. Isn't that crazy? See, God wants to guide you through his word. I tell you all that all the time. I believe the majority of how God speaks to me is through his word. Yes, he speaks through the Holy Spirit, and, and I'll give you an example, another one. But it's mainly through his word. If you want God's guidance, you've got to read his word, right? They didn't have God's word. That's why angels would appear to him in dreams. We have his word accessible everywhere, right? On our phones, on our iPads, paper Bibles. I mean, everywhere we go, we can read the Bible so he can guide us, right? That's the reason that he came, through his spirit, through his words. But listen, you, did you know God also still speaks through dreams as well? Some of y'all may not know that, but he still speaks through dreams. Now, I've never really had a lot of dreams where God speaks to me. Matter of fact, my dreams, I don't know if you're like me, my dreams are pretty crazy. I don't remember them. They don't make sense. I don't see a lot of detail. You ever wake up and you're like, man, I had a dream and it was like, man, it was so impactful, but I can't remember what it was about. I just remember walking somewhere, and then there was a person doing something and saying something, and then I woke up. Are your dreams like that, or are you like my wife? Cassie's like, I walked into this room, and the border on the, the, the walls were like flowers, and they were pink, and Tori was baking cookies, and it was like, oh, she knew what kind of cookies they were, and all kinds. Of, and I'm like, man, you know, right? But one night, and I, this is the only time I did this before and since then, and I think it was the timing of it me and Cassie got into a, a really, really bad argument. I mean, we we were like really at each other pretty bad. And it was right before bed. And I understand the Bible says not going to bed angry, not letting the sun go on your anger. And it was one of those times, come on, y'all, married couples, you know, I think it was one of those nights where I was pretty sure I was right. Matter of fact, let me not say pretty sure. I was 100% sure I was right on this one, right? You know, I was just like, come on, man. You know, and I was just so frustrated with her and with the situation and that I asked the Lord, and I'm telling you, I haven't asked him before or since, but I was about to go to bed and I was trying to release her and I said, Lord, would you speak to me in my dreams tonight? Because I just knew, like, I couldn't wait till the morning. I mean, I was going to sleep. We were, and I was tired. And I mean, yeah, I could have got up and read the Bible and all that. But I said, well, would you speak to me in my dreams? And it wasn't super profound, but I believe the Lord did. I know he did. Because that night I dreamed and I saw an old couple Sitting at a table holding hands together. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, I want y'all to be married for the rest of your life. You need to work this out. Amen. Like I knew, like that's all, it wasn't them talking, it wasn't them, yeah. And I'm telling you, I knew it was God speaking to me. That, again, I, it, it, I love how the Lord does that because I was sure I was right until I had that dream and then got up and He's like, you need to go work it out. You need to do your part, right? There's, it always takes two to tango, right? Come on, somebody. When you get in those kind of arguments, come on, don't, don't look at me like I'm like y'all too holy out there. If you married and you get in those kind of arguments, right, it might have started out as her fault, but by the time we got in the thick of it, it was both our faults, right? We both had, had faults in it. But I'm telling you, that's, that's only one time. That's never happened. But I'm convinced the Lord spoke to me. I just saw a picture of what God's heart and desire is being cast growing old together, sitting at a table holding hands. And we did, and I woke up the next morning and I told her. So God does still speak through dreams, right? But I mean dreams can be, you know, a little squirrely too, so you gotta be careful. But that's why we have God's word. Most importantly, we have God's word and we have his Holy Spirit. And obviously we also have, you know, um people in our lives that can help us and guide us. Because you can have a dream. And again, if you have a dream, unless you know to me it was that was very simple, you know, I didn't have to con but if you have a dream, make sure you go talk to somebody about it. Come talk to one of the pastors or somebody that because, you know, again, you can have some. Dreams can be weird, too, right? It could just be pizza that you ate the night before, as Pastor Todd says. It could not be God at all, right? It just could be some off-the-wall stuff, right? Now, even though the word guidance or God wasn't in the two texts in Matthew we just read, it is in the first prophecy we looked at last week, as I mentioned earlier. The prophecy of salvation that was given through Zachariah. Look what it says, Luke 1, 78, 79. Because of God's tender mercy. How many of y'all are thankful for God's tender mercies? That are brand new this morning. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Look what it says. And to guide us to the path of peace. Now, obviously, the context of this is specifically talking about guiding us to peace through salvation in Jesus. But obviously, the principle against the same. He is here. He came to guide us in our everyday life. Amen. Amen. Some of you today, you you need some guidance. We're going to pray here in a few minutes at the end of this service, and I just want to pray over you. You may have a major decision you're facing right now, and you need some guidance. And I believe that Jesus came, the greatest gift of all, to help us. You know, the, the greatest gift was Jesus, but through his word and his spirit, and others around us that will guide you through every, any decision you have. Amen. Matter of fact, I heard Pastor Larry say this when me and Pastor Ty went to a, a pastor's university. Of course, you know as pastors, we make decisions all the time and every day. And, and 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 he said, "Man, we pray about making the right decision." He said, "But ultimately, really, we're not the decision makers. God makes the decisions. We just got to listen for what decision He has already made or He wants us to do." Amen. That's really the truth of the matter. That's why we have to seek him, get in his word, get in prayer, listen to his voice. Amen. Number two, the prophecy of joy. This was a prophecy given to the shepherds. Luke 2, 8 through 12 says this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, "I bring you good news that brings will bring great joy to all people. The savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David." Now listen, that word joy here in the original Greek language, it's not only like the fruits of joy, but it also means the cause of or the reason of joy, not just the fruit. So it's saying like there there will be joy to all people, but it's saying the reason of joy, right? So we've all heard around the holidays, around Christmas, you may still have this in your home. Jesus is what? The reason for? Jesus is the reason for the season, and that's true. Well, but Jesus is also the reason we can have joy, right? That was the prophecy. That's what the angels were saying, that there would be great joy for all people. Why? Because Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord, is here, right? The truth uh, that... The truth is, though, and even during this time, the irony is, some people go through the Christmas season, and it's actually the opposite of joy. We talk about this often because we know it's true. It's, it's you, you, you go through. You sometimes you loathe the Christmas season because it's maybe the toughest time of year for you. Maybe you have a loved one that passed away. Maybe there's been a separation in your family. Separation in your own marriage. Maybe you're going through health crisis, financial crisis, or some uncertainty, as we talked about, and you need guidance, right? The remarkable thing about joy, that it's not not based on our circumstances, right? You've heard it. You've heard me say it. That's the difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness depends on what's happening, right? If you're a Saints fan, you're not happy right now. Is that Right? Right? So happiness depends on what's happening. Joy does not depend on your circumstances. Even in the darkest and most challenging times, which you may be right in the thick of, you can still have joy. It's a great mystery of the faith, right? It's just like Jesus says, you must lose your life to gain it. If you humble yourself, you'll be lifted up, right? It seems like it's the opposite. It doesn't make sense. The same is true. We can go through the darkest times and still have joy. Look at what 1 Thessalonians one six says. The apostle Paul writing this, he says, you became imitators of us and through us of the Lord after you welcomed our message in a time of great trouble. But look at this in the time of great trouble with joy supplied by the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Acacia. See, this first shows how we can go through great trouble, but the Holy Spirit still supplies joy. In the midst of it, like, well, man, I'm I'm struggling. I don't have, how can I still have joy? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Why do we have the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus was born, He died, He was resurrected, and He said, When I go, I'm gonna send you an advocate. I'm gonna send you someone who is just like me. Actually, some translations in the and acts as the Spirit of Jesus, right? That when I'm gone, I'll send you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. He'll be everywhere all the time, right inside of you. The Apostle Paul was telling the uh, Thessalonian church that by living or by having joy during trouble, they were not only having joy for themselves, they were being examples of other believers. I didn't even think about this when I just felt led to pray that earlier, right? Remember I said, be lifted high? How can we be lifted high in the Lord? uh, The Lord be lifted high in our life? This is one of the ways. It's when we're going through troubles still understanding that you can have joy in your life. The, the Bible says, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, I choose to rejoice. I will choose to tap into the joy of the Lord that is inside of me. No matter what it is, right? On some of the rainiest, cloudiest, darkest days or darkest days of your life, you can still rejoice. You can still have joy. So just as the Thessalonian church was having joy with trouble, and Paul said they were being examples, it's the same with us. You know, this Christmas we can receive the gift of joy, but also we could give the gift of of, of being an example of having joy during your toughest times. When somebody comes alongside of you, and you're like, "Hey, Merry Christmas, man! I hate Christmas, man. What really? Why, why is that? Well, man, you know, my mom died around Christmas, or my, or I, you know, I just got a divorce. So I'm going through a divorce, or..." I, I got a sickness in my body or whatever. And you relate and say, yeah, man, I understand that too. You know, like me personally, my mom died two days after Thanksgiving. So the holidays around that time is going to always, that's that's the kind of a marker, a reminder. But to know we can still have joy, so man, I understand. You know, but still have that joy inside of you to still make a decision to rejoice each and every day. I like how another translation says it here. First Thessalonians one six, and I think I believe this is the heart of what he's saying. Although great trouble accompanied the word, we say when you receive the word, you are able to take great joy from the Holy Spirit. Look at this: taking the joy, trouble with the joy, the joy with the trouble. Simultaneously, we walk through troubles, trials, but still have joy. And I believe that's another reason why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Because when we have joy, when we tap into joy, we can be strengthened through the times of trial and trouble, right? It's not just a feeling of like, oh, I'm being happy and I sing and all that. That's part of it. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we have joy, right, they were getting persecuted. The context of the scriptures, they received the word in Thessalonica and then they were being persecuted for it. But the Holy Spirit was giving them joy as they were walking out of the word and preaching the word and the church was growing, right? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Are y'all tracking with me? See, this scripture makes it clear that these two can be simultaneous. You've heard Pastor Todd say it for many years. If you just started coming to church, he, he used to always say, good and bad travels on parallel tracks and often arrives at the same time. And I know that's true. I know it's true in my life. I know it's true in your life. Joy and trial run on parallel tracks. Right? Heartache, hardship. You could be down, but you can still have joy. I even heard a pastor say this, that Christians are legitimately the only people on earth that can grieve and rejoice at the same time. I was just sharing with a brother earlier that, you know, we, we've had multiple uh, funerals here just in the last two weeks. Like, I literally did funerals here the last two Fridays right here. And then, like I said, my sister uh, 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 Leslie over there, my wife and I, Pastor Dixie, went to her sister's visitation yesterday and you know and there was another one off campus of a staff member her family right and you know you 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 see that how can we simultaneously rejoice and grieve Well, Thessalonians tells us first Thessalonians four thirteen. now we do not want you to be uninformed believers he's talking to the church about those who are asleep in death in other words those have died so that you will not grieve for them as others who do not have no hope beyond this present life. I love that scripture. We can grieve, we will grieve, but not like those that have no hope, right? Those that don't believe, those that don't have the hope of eternal life, right? They they think this is it. It's final when a loved one dies. But if that loved one's a believer, is born again, we grieve, but we also rejoice with them because we know they're in glory, right? We can we can be excited for them, even though we're hurting, right? You can have joy, rejoice with them, have hope for them, and even though you're going through grief. He didn't say we wouldn't grieve, right? Grief is a part of life. We grieve. We have emotion. It's hard. We miss people. We miss our family. Still miss my family. Always will, right? But I rejoice knowing that I'm going to see him again, and we're going to spend eternity together, right? We will experience difficulty, but Jesus is the reason we can go through those difficult times and still have joy. Amen? Number three is a close cousin, but it's the prophecy of peace as well. The prophecy of peace. We see this one in the very next verse, Luke, I just read in Luke chapter 2, where the angel prophesied about and told them that there'll be joy to all people right after that. It says that the angel prophesied he was joined by a host of angels and they begin to speak. And look what it says in Luke two thirteen and 20. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is well pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about, right? He said, hey, we just got this prophecy. They told us about this. Let's go see it. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherd told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they heard. It was just as the angel had told them. I read the rest of it because that's how you know a prophecy is true when it's fulfilled, right? The Bible says to test the spirits, and you do that. And 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 as by if somebody gives you a word or has a prophecy for you, you know it's true when it comes to pass, right? And immediately this is they they got this. I mean, it was supernatural beings. Could you imagine just being outside, even if you like the camp or like the outdoors, and the heavens open up? And so, at first, one thing, one angel comes down and begins to talk to you. That's mind-blowing, right? I'm like, oh my, I mean, that would be crazy. And then he's joined by the host of heaven armies. It's just like, I mean, I, that would be unreal, right? Like we read through the Christmas stories and read these things, but could you put yourself in that picture and see what it would be? You know, it would it freaked everybody out because every time we read about an angel, what's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Why they told him that? Because they were afraid. That just, that, that wasn't a trick question, Right. They, I mean, it was miraculous, but they give him this word, and then they go and see just as the angel had told them. See, Jesus' birth brings glory to God in the heavens and peace to humans on earth. You notice that? Hey, church, If I, we always encourage you to worship. Matter of fact, next month I'm going to start a series. I'll be in a series called In His Presence, and we're going to be focusing a lot on worship, not only, but a lot on worship as well. If heavenly beings like angels praise and glorify and worship God, how much more us, right? I mean, they're in the presence of God. They're, they're, they're immortal beings that, that have been created that are in heaven all the time and whatnot. And they worship and praise God, how much more for us. The word peace here indicates a total well-being, not just absence of hostility. That's why I say it's a close cousin of joy. The, the word indicates it's you you you're at peace, even in other words, when all hell's breaking loose around you. Right? We all know the Hebrew word shalom, the Jewish word that to this day this jewish people still use as a greeting and as to say goodbye they say shalom when they greet you or greet each other and when they leave right and it means again much more than the the, the absence of battles in our life it means well being health prosperity security soundness and completeness listen to this it has more to do with character than circumstances our character that we know we can have the peace of God in our life, that we can tap into the peace. Every time I talk about peace, I'm reminded how Jesus said, this peace I give you, this peace I live you, and he said, no one can take this peace away from you. We forfeit our peace. Nobody can actually take your peace away. We forfeit it because we get focused on the circumstance or the battle. That's why the word actually doesn't mean the absence of battles or trials. It's peace in the midst of the storm. It's peace in the midst of battles. See, life was difficult at these times that it was spoken to the shepherd. This is crazy. As I studied this, listen to this. Taxes were high. Unemployment was high. Morale was slipping lower. And the Roman military was in control. See, Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even Jewish religion could not meet the needs of people's heart to give them peace. Then God sent his son. Think about what the circumstance was like that back then. A lot of the same stuff is going on today. Jobs are being threatened, government control, New Age philosophy, and even the burden of religion, right? These things will try to keep you in turmoil, just to name a few, if you're dealing with any of those. But you can have peace through it all every day because the Prince of Peace is here. Because the Prince of Peace came, right? The angels were not the first ones either to prophesy about peace being brought to the earth. The prophet Isaiah also spoke, also, <clears throat> excuse me, spoke a prophetic word about this, which is also a very frequently quoted verse around Christmas. A lot of you know this one, Isaiah 9, 6, but I want to show you because the prophet thousands of years before prophesied the same thing. For a child is born to us. His son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. <clears throat> he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Amen. As the prince of peace, Jesus Christ brought the kingdom of peace on this earth. See, like joy, peace is not determined by circumstances. We can experience, we will experience turmoil, pain, grief, all those things, and still have peace through it all. You know, I mentioned that, and I think about my own life with my brother and my mom, you know, passing away. And it's just like, man, those were some of the hardest times in my life. But I remember still having peace through it. People said, man, how are you doing? And i like, yeah, I'm grieving, but there's still a peace inside of me, right? There's still the Holy Spirit. He's inside of me. So you can still have that peace. You've been there too. we've, We've walked with many families. Like I said, just a few of them just recently where there's still that peace. I think about Leslie as she's sitting back there. We were there with her family yesterday. And yeah, they're grieving. They're hurting. But you could see still the peace of the Lord in their lives. I know you've experienced this too, right? And if you haven't yet, you can. You can tap into it. But again, what are you trying to tap into to give you peace? See, there's something that's true peace that's only found through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Or we can go other ways for peace and comfort. At many funerals, I wasn't even planning on saying this, but one of my favorite scriptures that I'm, I, I know I'm living, a lot of you are too, is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says that God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our times of troubles so we can comfort others in their time of need and just as God has comforted me through the 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 my whole immediate family passing away now week in and week out i literally get to help comfort other people right but this is what i always say and i said it again friday my story is that when my dad died i went you know i went further into drugs and alcohol which i was already doing to try to find that comfort and it only made it worse but then i got radically saved 5 years later and god began to comfort me and then and with with my dad losing my dad and then when my brother died later, and even with my mom, right? It's the same with peace and joy. See, I, I think, you know, we know God's the source of all comfort, and in that comfort comes peace, comes joy, it's all there, but a lot of times we look to other places to try to tap into that when it's already inside of us. So are y'all tracking with me? Yeah. Philippians 4-7, just to drive this point home, and a lot of y'all know the scripture as well, the peace of God, that that peace which reassures the heart, That peace that transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, look at this, is yours. The amplifier breaks it down for us. It's yours. Like Jesus said, it's already ours. It's already there, right? Go back to gifts for Christmas. It's just like if somebody brought you a gift and you had it and it was yours. I just thought about this. Actually, right after my mom's funeral, this happened. People were giving us gifts. And some were financial gifts they just decided to bless us with. And months later, somebody called us and said, Hey, did y'all ever cash that check that we gave y'all? We were like, what check? Cause we had got a bunch of cards and stuff. Well, they had wrote us a check and it was in some cards that we had after we looked through them and got all my mom's stuff together. We put it in the attic. When we went in the attic, there was that check and some other gifts just sitting in our attic. It was ours. We were actually, it was in our house, but we never tapped into it because we didn't know it was there, right? When we found out it was there, we went and got it. I think peace and joy is the same way. It's inside of us, and a lot of people are just not tapping into it. Listen, church, today, this season, you can tap into the peace and the joy of the Lord. Amen? Peace is a gift you can receive this Christmas, whatever day. And the fourth and final thing, which actually is the seventh one, to wrap this up, is the prophecy of redemption. And I love this one. The prophecy of redemption. It shows you the Lord's heart. This one was given through the prophetess Anna at the temple. Now let me set up this this passage of scripture. Mary and Joseph were at the temple to present Jesus to God, right? As which was the Jewish law to present all firstborns to the Lord. And they would do that. By sacrificing turtle doves at the Jew, as the Jewish law required, which by the way this is where this is one of the, the the scriptures where we get baby dedication from right if you If you have children, your young family, and you want to dedicate your baby, we see Samuel was dedicated at the temple, and Jesus as well he was presented or dedicated to the Lord as the firstborn, so when you see us doing baby dedications. That's where some of the references we get that from, even Jesus was. So this is what it was, right? He's at the temple. He's being presented, or which we would call dedicated. They're doing the Jewish sacrifices of turtle doves. Let's pick up the scripture there, Luke 2, 36 and 38. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She did not leave the area of the temple but was serving and worshiping night and day with fasting and prayers. By the way, let me pause here and say, we're going to talk more about it, but start getting your mind prepared if you just started coming to church here at Family Life. Every year, we take part in a corporate 21 days of prayer and fasting. We see fasting as biblical. We'll talk about that more. I'm going to talk about the first Sunday in January. But just mark your calendar beginning January 3rd, I believe it is, first Monday in January. Is it the second or the third? It's the third, right? First Monday in January, we're going to have noon prayer meetings and prayer meetings at 630 where we'll have worship, and then one of us will be leading a prayer. And so I going to encourage you to take part now. That. That's one of the ways we serve and worship God. And we look at it as it's almost like a tithe of the year. It's a tithe of our time. We start the year out by praying and fasting right after the holidays over and we dedicate three three weeks to prayer and fasting seeking God um, and in worshiping him she too let's pick up the scripture she too came up at that very moment and began praising and giving thanks to God and continued to speak to him speak of him to all who were looking for the redemption and deliverance of Jerusalem so this is what she was doing she was a prophetess so she sees Jesus born here, and she begins to speak to everyone, like, hey, that redemption, that deliverance we've been waiting for, he's here. I saw him with my own eyes. It's Jesus. He's here, the redemption and the deliverance of Israel. And we know for all of mankind, as she had been there, 84 years old, praying and fasting after being widowed, only seven years after being married, she sees the hope, the redemption and deliverance, and she begins to Prophesy, She begins to tell people about it. So what does redemption mean? Well, let's first look at the word redeemed. Deem has to do with value, right? We all say, what do you deem to be valuable? What, what is it? What is do you, you deem to be valuable? That's the word deemed. It, it places emphasis on value. So it's about buying or purchasing something. But when you put the word re in front of it, it means to purchase again or to buy back, right? So For example, the word renew. For example, renewing your mind means to make your mind new again. The Bible tells us we should renew our minds. That's one of the ways part of reading the scriptures again is you're renewing your mind every day. You're making your mind new. Because we read the Bible, then we get all kind of junk in our mind all through the day. So it's good to renew it again in the morning. Amen? That was a freebie right there. Okay. The second, it has to do with a second time. Jesus came to the earth, I love this, to buy us back. Amen? That's good news right there. He came to the earth to buy us back. What do I mean by that? Well, we see that our earliest ancestors, Adam and Eve, were his already in the garden. Adam was the son, and Eve was the daughter of God. But, of course, they made a decision, and they fell, and they were lost to sin, and so were we. So Jesus came to repurchase what was already his. You know, if there was ever no sin... Adam. The Bible says Adam was the son of God, right? If you read the Bible, it says Adam was the son of God. He was God's son, and that was how God had intended it to be, right? To be, live in perfect harmony in the garden, in paradise. But then they sinned, they fell, sin entered the world. So what was already his, he sent his son to buy back, to buy us back. There's a great example of this in the book of Hosea. If you never read the book of Hosea, I encourage you this week to jump into it and read it. It's one of the minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament. And in the book of Hosea, in chapter 1, God tells Hosea to go buy a wife who is a prostitute. She takes this woman named Gomer. He takes this woman named Gomer as his wife into his home. And they have three children together. After these three children, she leaves Hosea and goes back into prostitution. Then, if you read in chapter 3, God says... Go buy her back again, if you've never read that, go read it, and when I read this again, gentlemen, those of us that is married, could you wrap your brain around that? And God says, Go buy her back again. And I'm like, poor God, man, he had he had a call in his life, right? But there's a reason God did this, and He shows us the reason why <clears throat> this is the re- the word redeemed. He was giving them an example of what he was doing with Israel. He had bought a wife, she left him, and he said to go buy her back again. Even though she left to go be with other men, God said, go get her. It was a prophetic, if you read all of Hosea, it's a prophetic picture of what Israel, how they left God, but God said, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna redeem them. Even though, cause he, again, he always likens unfaithfulness to adultery. And all, if you read all through the Old Testament, he always, he says, Israel has been unfaithful to me. She has gone other, after other gods, just like a, a wife would other men. But yet, I'm going to come and I'm going to redeem her. I'm going to buy her back. See, this tells us even when we fall, fall away from him, go away from fall from sin, he's here to redeem us. If we repent, if we come back to the Lord, if we admit our wrong and turn away, he's here to buy us back. It's interesting, too, if you read in certain translations, in Hosea chapter 1, God says to go and take a wife, right? Just as I noticed that as well, just as the angel told Joseph, take Mary. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, you remember? In Hosea 1, God says, take a wife. In chapter 3, he says, now go and love a wife. And that word love is powerful because we know in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, For husbands, this means love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. So not only did he say, go buy her back, he said, go and lay down your life for her and tell Israel I'm doing the same thing for them. And guess what? He's doing, it's a picture also of Jesus coming to redeem us. Jesus paid the price to redeem us, to buy us back in full, and to restore to us all that sin had stolen. Mainly our relationship with him and then so much from there. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's a hard story to read to know that a man really had to do this. The prophet really had to go through. And it was all because he was giving Israel a picture of redemption, but it's also the beautiful picture of redemption for us as well. Amen. So as I close, we just read that Jesus gave up his life for us in Ephesians 5. Let me ask you, have you given your life to him? For this, in in, in essence, again, our earliest ancestors, Adam and Eve, were a son and daughter of God and then was lost to sin, and he had to send Jesus to buy them and all of us back. For some of you, maybe you've never been in a relationship with God. Maybe you never surrendered your life to God, or you have been. There was a time where you have surrendered, and you you were born again, and you got saved, and you gave your all to Jesus, but you fell away. Listen, God is the God of redemption. Christmas is a story of redemption, right? Or you can go buy it back, right? You can go buy something again. We're all going to go buy things. Jesus bought us with his precious blood. The greatest gifts you can receive this Christmas is salvation and redemption. The first prophecy we started with and the last. The two bookends of this, right? You remember in sevens the number of completion, right? Started with salvation, we ended with redemption. This is the greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas or any Christmas. Would you do me a favor and just bow your heads with me, please? Jesus came to save us, to redeem us, so we can be blessed, we can have grace, be favored, have guidance, joy, peace, and to redeem us, to buy us back from the sinful slavery we was in. That's another picture of redemption. We we were on the slave block of sin, and Jesus came, and he bought us back. He took us out. He bought us out of that slavery to sin and bondage with his rich, raw blood. Whatever head bowed, every eye closed. Even if you're at home, if you say, Brandon, you know what? I've never given my life to Christ. I've never received that salvation. I want to be redeemed today. Or you say, Brandon, at one time I was saved and I was serving the Lord, but I did fall away. Like Israel, I went away and I chased after other things or went to do my own thing. But knowing that Jesus came to not only save us, but to buy us back again, even when we fall, even when we stumble. I need to come back to him and receive that redemption today. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, Brandon, would you pray with me? Ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Over here, sir, I see your hand. Thank you. Come on, I'm going to pray with you. Anybody else? If, even if you're at home, I can't see your hand. But just lift your hand to the Lord. Is there anybody else? Say, Brandon, I want to, Jesus laid down his life for me. I want to give my life to him. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's pray with these. The, right here in the middle. Ma'am, I see your hand. Right here in the middle. Thank you. Anybody else? Over here, hands still going up. Thank you, young man. Anybody else? Hands still going up before we pray. We can be redeemed if we repent and we turn away from sin and turn to Christ. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. You can do that today. Come on, let's all pray this together as a family. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to this earth to save me and to redeem me. Thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I repent of my sin. I turn to you today, and I give you my life. I surrender my all to you, Lord. Now help me by the power of your spirit to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you made that decision first time or the first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew. It says connection card. Fill it out. Bring it to the info center. If you watch it online, there's a connection link. You can do the same. We got a Bible for you. We want to pray with you. Hey, the rest of us stand up. Come on, I want to pray before you leave. Don't slip out yet. Before you leave, I want to pray that maybe, and you can come down to the altar after if you need more specific prayer. But you know, you you may say, you know what, Brandon? One of those other three things guidance peace and joy maybe you need help you need prayer for that you need the lord to guide you if you say man, i got a major decision that i'm dealing with right now and i need guidance if that's you i just want you to slip up your hand and i want to pray for you say man i got a major decision in my life all right hands going up all over the auditorium let's pray with these right now father i pray in jesus name with all of these that are hands are raised lord we know the one of the greatest gifts we can receive is guidance lord You said if we trust in you and, and Lord God, and look to you for your will, Lord God, and not lean on our own understanding, you would show us the path to take. You would guide us down the right path. Father, with those with their hands raised, I pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you would guide them by your Spirit through your Word, Lord. I pray they have a more of a hunger for your Word, that they would dive into your Word to get the answers for the decision that you have for them, Lord God. In this God, is may they devour your Word, and by the by the speaking and leading of the Spirit of God, that you would guide them through, Lord God, whatever decision would they have to make. Your Kingdom come, your will be done in their lives, Lord. Now you may say, Brandon, I'm just I feel like I've been lacking peace or joy, one of those two. Why don't you just lift your hand? And I want to pray over you right now. I say, man, I, I feel like it's hard around the holidays. Or recently, I've been going through trials, and I just, I need peace. I need to tap into that peace that's already in me, or that joy. Come on, maybe you feel weak, and you say, Brandon, I need strength. If that's you, you need joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Come on, lift your hands if that's you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those, Lord God, that may be lacking peace or joy right now. Lord, your word says that your peace that surpasses all understanding, where we can comprehend or even think, will guard our hearts and our minds in christ jesus it's already ours it's inside of us because the prince of peace has come lord i pray give them the god help them to tap into the peace. Give them the strength, the grace to stay in your peace. And those that need joy are feeling weak, thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is their strength. Fill them and flood them with your joy, your your, your strength. They would be blessed, Lord God. Have favor and grace operating in and through their lives, not only this holiday season, but every day, Lord. Help us to be examples of how we can walk through joy, Lord God, even in the midst of trouble and trial. We can have joy in our life. I thank you for these, Lord. I lift them up to you. And I entrust them, their families, and their futures into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Hey, if you need specific prayer about these things or anything else, we'll be at the altar to, to, to pray with you. Uh, Also, we're having a baptism at the second service. If you want to hang a little bit during worship and support those getting baptized, feel free to do so. If not, have a great day.